church. Um, in the bulletin, it says that I am to give the radio welcome, but I'm also to speak for about a couple minutes on education. Um, we know that we have dedicated this day um, to education, and we want to focus on administrators, teachers, students, and parents. If you are an educator or a teacher, or former educator or teacher, please stand at this time. All teachers, educators, former teachers, retired teachers, let's give them a hand. <laughs> Wonderful. <clears throat> you please, you may be seated. For it truly takes a village to raise a child. Administrators and teachers, remember your work is wrought by God. Although many appreciate the work of a teacher, some would discourage you to give up your ministry and assisting God with saving souls, but never give up. You may never ever see the seeds that were planted, but we must work in faith. God gives each and every one of us special gifts and teaching is definitely a gift from God. For it takes Jesus to show students compassion when they've disrespected you. It takes Jesus to continually prod a student to work when you know that they've lost all interest in learning. It takes Jesus to stay after school and help a student when you realize the parent isn't doing his or her job. It takes Jesus not to beat a kid when there is no discipline at home. And remember parents, discipline begins in the home. But most of all, it is only the love of God when a teacher spends time praying for their students and families before they make their own personal petitions made. So teachers, the only way I've learned to leave an impressionable mark on a child is to pray. Pray moment by moment for teaching your children, our children, my child. We must pray without ceasing. So I want to leave you with this poem by jo jo Joanna Fuchs, and it says, The Best Teachers. Teachers open up young minds, showing them the wonders of the intellect and the miracle of being able to think for themselves. 
A teacher exercises the mental muscles of students, stretching and strengthening so they can make challenging decisions, find their way in the world, and become independent. The best teachers care enough to gently push and prod students to do their best and fulfill their potential. Teachers, you are one of those. Thank you for your dedication to educate others. At this time, we will transition into our radio welcome. We would like to take this time to welcome our KKVV listeners to the Divine Worship Service of the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, located at 1720 North J Street in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our interim senior pastor is Russell Lee Wars, and our associate pastor is Johnny Holiday, in which we will hear from him after our selection. The, the youth choir will sing. Thank you.
Let us pray. Dear God, a most gracious Father, Alpha and Omega, the creator of all things, we thank you for your blessings. We lift your holy name. Father, hide me behind the cross, for I am not worthy. But if even a sinner like me can be used to bring someone home to Jesus, then please grant it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Even though it's a special occasion, time waits for no one. So we must be conscious of the time. Holy Spirit does what he does, and we will respect that, but we will do the best we can with our time. This morning, <clears throat> as it is a very, very difficult time, uh, because we're leaving, I do want to say that the word humility is fitting at this time. Uh, if you don't know, like I know, if you've been on this earth long enough, one day you're up and the next day you're down. So let's not get a big head. We thank God for what he's done and what he's, we pray he will continue to do. Uh, but in the scheme of things, I just want to be saved. I just want to be saved. And thank you for the accolades, uh, but our glory goes to God. Nothing that we do or have done is without his granting it to be done. So I thank you. Certainly on behalf of my wife, we thank you. And the children. I want to thank the children of Abundant Life, the teachers, my position has always been no man is an island. Beside every good leader, and if you notice I said beside, there are other people who make it happen. In the end, teachers are who really make it happen when it comes to student achievement. So teachers, we thank you. Parents, we thank you. We thank you for your time with your children. But I tell you, parents, uh, it's interesting that Sometimes the parents say, I know my child. If I told you he or she did something, you say, I know my child. So I gave some thought to that. And I kind of looked at it like this. In all actuality, Sister Sanford, in all actuality, Sister Rawls, in all actuality, Sister Bray, your child is with us longer than they're with you. Let me, let me, let me, let me validate that. Now, your child comes here. We get them at about 7, 7.30, 7.45. They're in the hall reading. Amen. Have mercy. We're going to talk about that later. Amen. They're in the hall reading. What other school requires them when they get in the door? 
you got to start reading. In fact, how many students can really say you've read a book from front to back, from cover to cover? I challenge you. How many books have you read from front to back, from cover to cover? Can you say 20? Can you say 20? And how many people in the public schools, which I love, how many people in the public school demand that they do it? And how many people really care that it's done? But we're with your children, 7.30, And they stay with us till about 3, and some don't want to leave, so we got them to 4, 4.30. <laughs> Look at the time now. Let's deal with it. Then they go home, and you mainly, perhaps, you talk with them, you get some homework done, and you eat with them. So you may spend three or four hours with them, then they're in the bed. So in a day, how many hours did you spend with them, and how many hours did I spend with them? Did you think about that, Sister Bray? And so when I tell you what they said or did, you tell me, no, he didn't. I know my child. Well, I beg to differ, honey. I know your child, too. That's just a little aside. Just take that little statistics and keep it. But I want to thank the parents, because I know your child. And we want to thank home and school. We thank you. And uh, I'll call names if I leave off names. Of course, we always do. But you know, I think it's fitting. All glory goes to God. But there are people that just, you know, people like Sister Liking, come on. I mean, Sister Liking, I can go on about it, a lot of people. Uh, Dr. White, Sister Rawls. Dr. White called me all the time too late. Uh, <laughs> And Sister Rawls, I call her all the time too late and say, I need something. But they're always there. All the board members, thank you for your support. Pastor Lee Wars, what a friend and a rank puller. You didn't get the end, a rank puller. <laughs> Brother, you have to do it. <laughs> yes, sir. I believe that a good leader understands being a good follower. And a good leader knows how to take orders. Pastor Rock, thank you and others for your vision. Elder Brown, what a friend. Elder Brown, what a friend. I can go on and on. There are things I needed and he was there. Sister Richie, thank you for your home and for praying with me and giving me wisdom as I would kneel before Sister Richie and she would pray, pray with me and for me. Thank you so much. Sister Richie, thank you for going with me to visit the sick. Listen, people. I don't know where everybody lives. But you know, I tell my students, excuses are tools of ignorance often used by the incompetent. I didn't make an excuse. I went to Sister Richie and said, look, let's go. And most of the time she'll go, but one time she'll pass, how they all feel like it. <laughs> but that lady would get in my car and she would take me to places that I'd never been and didn't know how to get there. Thank you, Sister Richie. The position is just as the children. We make it happen. Thank you, Sister Cooper, for your wisdom. You know what you told me, and I know what you told me, and God knows, Sister Cooper, what you told me. Sister Everson, I, have a, I had a mother that would fuss at me while she was loving me. Yes, 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 yes. Did you get it? Yes. I had a mother that would be on my case while she was loving me. Thank you, Sister Everson. Sister Gail Ellis, you know what you do. And this church family, you know who you are and what you've done and what you've said. Brother Smith and some other people who pulled me to the side and said some things to me that I listened to and I heard. There is wisdom in this church. Parents, there are parents who've given me books who've said to me, read this, it may help. Thank you, I took the book willingly. There are people 
who make a difference. You gave me some glory, but all glory goes to God and to everybody else. God and to all those who make things happen. No man or woman is an island. And the minute you believe that everything that's happening is because of you solely, you individually, you have lost your way. You have lost your way. So there are many people that I really appreciate and my wife, we appreciate. This morning, we're going to be talking about standing strong in the ultimate race. Standing strong in the ultimate race. I pray that God gives me the words. I pray that I lift his holy name. I pray that I do it expeditiously and you will have opportunity to move forward without sitting and sitting and sitting. Standing strong in the ultimate race. The text is Ephesians 10, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. I'm going to read in your hearing from 10 through 13. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on what? Put on half the armor of God. Put on what? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand, standing strong, in the ultimate race. Running a marathon is an incredible goal for runners, but marathon training in itself is something not to be taken lightly. Whether it is a marathon that's 13.1 miles, or whether it is a marathon that's 26.2 miles, or whether it's this popular marathon that's done in South Africa that's 56 miles, a 56-mile race. Now, what's interesting about this, this uh, race in South Africa that happens, and it started in 1921, is that this race consists of running in the hilly mountains, not just on a beautiful pavement, but running in the hills and running against all kinds of other obstacles. So this run is not just a race, but it is actually a battle. Did you hear what I said? This run is a battle, and with this run, Everybody, including the last person, gets a standing ovation, gets a medal, uh, gets media and interviews, so forth and so on. But this race is not about speed, but about the human spirit. The human spirit. And to see if you can conquer this thing. It reminds me of the battle and the race to get through to, to the heavenly gates. Somebody help me. I don't have to be first, Sister Hodges. Now I'm talking about getting in heaven. Now I'm talking about getting into heaven. I don't have to be first. I don't have to break any records. I, I, I don't have to run the 100 in uh, 9.8 seconds, which I don't even understand, but I can say it. You know, I don't even have to have a body like Usain Bolt. You know, the Jamaican people know him. Usain. I don't even have to have his beta. I don't even have to come in second place. I don't even need third place. I just want to make it in, Sister Hodges. I just want to make it in. I just want to conquer this battle and run this race, and I just want to hear the Savior say, well done, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
I just want to hear him say, Holiday, you fought a good fight. When they told you that why you're sending the kids to that school, I said because I want to serve Jesus and I know that doing his will is more important than what you think. He said, Holiday, you fought a good fight. I, I, I just want him to say you stood strong, uh, that you conquered it, and that you were wearing the whole armor. See, to endure this battle and to finish this race, it will require enormous training. But there has been a trainer that has been commissioned for us. There has been a trainer that has been commissioned for us. The training is in several areas that Paul brings to our attention in his letter to the Ephesians when he was in prison. Here, Paul in prison, he wants the church to understand the spiritual reality of what is taking place in the homes of those who are gathering all over the Mediterranean. And those who, he says, have courage and have faith. Church, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and I pray the Holy Spirit encourages us. Stand strong, withstand the battle, finish the race, we know you get hit sometimes, amen? amen? We know this is the place where you come for being to be saved, and yet you can come and be hurt. But I submit to you before I leave, stand strong. Stand strong. All you have when this is all over is God's word. No matter how much I say anyone else says, you must have a personal relationship with God in order for you to stand strong, because if you don't, man will knock you down. Amen. Amen. You need this to stand strong. Amen. Paul addresses the Ephesians by writing, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. First point, in the ultimate battle and race, the source of strength comes from the Lord. Where does it come from, church? Comes from the Lord and not mankind. To effectively carry out our purpose, Christians have to be strong. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Paul teaches us that there is strength and power available to the Christian beyond their own. What he's saying here in Ephesians 1.19, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the thinking of the mighty power? Ephesians 3.16 says, That he would grant you according to the riches of our glory. of our glory, of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit and the inner man. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as my present only, but now much more in my absence much more in my absence. Jury, when you go to the school that you are, don't know where you're going yet. Don't know where jury's going yet. Uh, but jury, I don't know if they have chapel. Somebody listen to me. I don't know if you have to have a memory verse said on a regular basis. I don't know, jury if you will have devotion every morning. I don't know that, Isaiah. I don't know where you're going. I don't know. 
But it says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. When you go to wherever you go, and if they don't have devotion, and we taught you to pray before every test, and when you're getting ready to take that test over those scientific terms that we already talked about, and they think because you came from abundant life, this small school, they're going to look at you during and see you mumbling with your head down, looking like you're talking to yourself. You're going to have your head bent, and all of a sudden you're going to look a little crazy, and people are going to be looking at you, and things are going to be coming out of your mouth, and your eyes are going to be shut, and they're going to think that you're asleep, and somebody's going to tap you, and you're going to say, but at Abundant Life, they taught me to talk to God before every test. And somebody else going to look at you and say, what's that place that caused you to bend like that and to talk and mumble and become a bit, a bit confused? It's because we had chapel. We had morning devotion. We had prayer. We asked, is there someone you want us to pray for? And the children would tell me, yes, I do. Pray for my mother. Pray for my father. Pray for my cousin. Pray for my sister. The children want to be prayed for and want someone to pray for someone. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This strength comes from the armor of God. It is the armor of God that gives the supplies for us. It is the armor that we must put on. It is not something we have of ourselves. God has provided his soldiers. Church, I want to tell you, I'm a soldier for God. Listen, you've got to be a soldier for God to work to 10 and 11 and 12 o'clock and don't even know how you're still standing. It's not me, it's God. There's no way that some of us can go like we go, say what we say, do what we do, get beat down, knocked down, talked about, still get up, come back into church and do God's work. You've got to be a soldier for God. You've got to be a soldier. You don't know what a soldier is, start serving the Lord and you will understand by and by. God said he provides soldiers with divine strength that we can put on to protect us in battles that we will face as we run this ultimate race. Call, Paul called Timothy a soldier. Paul said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? It made me, it made me think about, you know, what if we really had to serve God in the essence that the people did during Bible days? People getting killed turned upside down. I bet you if they say holiday, some of us, if you want to serve the Lord, we're going to kill you upside down. The church would be empty. Talk to me, people. What if we had to do really? What if we had to serve in the essence that people served? What if you had to come out of your comfort zone and serve in the essence that Paul served, that Peter served, that John served? What if we had to serve in that essence? Yes, thank God for Jesus Christ who died on the cross. You see, as, as good soldiers, you sometimes may be told that a Christian education is too expensive. Or ask, does it compete with the public schools academically? Now, how many of our children, as I said earlier, how many of your children have really read a book from cover to cover? How many? Come on, let's be real. Wait a minute. How many of you read a book from cover to cover? Now, I'm serious. When you say that, 
as simplistic as it may sound, you go into schools and you really ask a kid, have they ever read a book from cover to cover? But here at Abundant Life, not only did they read them from cover to cover, we made sure that they read them from cover to cover. How many kids can say they read 29 books, 39 books, 40 books, 12 books, 15 books? I know y'all listen at this like it, it ain't that deep, but it's very deep. Listen, when Ben Carson, when Ben Carson was in school, and you know the story, but this is one I was reading just re recently, the story of Think Big. We've all read Gifted Hands, I hope. But think big, Ben Carson said, in the classroom, the people began, the, the teacher was asking a question, and y'all know the story, Ben Carson was considered the dumbest kid in class when like fourth and fifth grade. Yes, sir, dumbest kid, the, the neurosurgeon, let me, okay. All right, let me just give you a little history and then tell the story. Ben Carson is a neurosurgeon at John Hopkins University. All right, that means he cuts on people's brains and do things like that, and he was considered the dumbest kid in class in fourth and fifth grade. Okay, y'all with me? Yeah. Let me proceed with the procedures. Now, Ben Carson was reading, I mean Ben Carson in the story, think big, Ben Carson, teacher asked him a question. Well, he didn't ask Ben, he asked the people, he just asked the children, he asked a question. And then the question was centered around science. And Ben Carson, you know, being the dumbest kid in class, uh, when he talked, people got ready to laugh. You know, the humor was, was there. So Ben Carson said, gosh, I know the answer to that question. They even asked him to spell a word like agriculture. And he said, gosh, I can spell that question. So the answer to the science question, he knew it because, you know the story, his mother had caused them, had told them that they had to read two books every week. They had to go to the library and read two books every week. So he's reading these books, and one of his books had to do with rocks. So he answers the question on rocks. And he answers the question, and the people thinking, you know, he's going to be laughed at. Everybody just looks. Then the teacher asks him something else about the rock, and he tells more about the rock. And all of a sudden, Ben Carson is so happy because the teacher is praising him, not because, you know, he said something stupid, but because he knows some information. He only knew it because he read the book. He read books. The point is, when kids are reading books, regardless of what you think, whether it's this book or that book, when they're reading books, there is information being internalized even when they don't want it. That's why in the hallway in the morning I say, even if you don't want to read, open the book and look at it and pretend you're reading. <laughs> Just look at the words and, and, and something's going to happen. But you got to be in an environment where people demand that, where people expect that. Do you know how much time is wasted in schools in the morning when children come and talking and hanging out? And in high school, they'd be, boy, in high school, I know I was principal of high school, they'd be coming in the morning, they'd be around the back smoking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They stand around the back smoking cigarettes, and, and I was an assistant principal at the time, so what I did was I talked to the principal, and I said, look, you know it's the age of technology. Let's put some cameras in the corners. We caught them jokers. <laughs> Do you know you had the cameras on, they still tell you a lie and say they weren't smoking? Yeah. They would tell, and you have to show them the pitch, show them the camera. Oh, that is me. <laughs> Listen, now many of our children, Without doubt, read. I need a slide. I need a second slide. Ooh, I wish you could see that better. Many of our children 
are gaining information from Abundant Life and from Christian schools that I want to share with you. You talk about cross-curricular teaching, and just bear with me, because we're going we gonna, to we gonna, we gonna hammer out the armor of God. We're going to hammer that out, but just bear with me. The children, you talk about cross-curricular teaching. Here's a resume. This is a resume, Jesus of Nazareth's resume, done by a fifth grader at Abundant Life. Now listen, let me show you, let me, let me just try to break this down, Dr. White, so you can understand it. I'm going to break it down for you so you can understand it. Now listen, sometimes people are suspect of what's going on over there. Can you hear me? I know they are. Because they are, do they, did they? Uh, think I went to school to get all these degrees to be over there playing around. That's some serious business over there. Even the kids sometimes, when I, we had to do this resume, they say, Mr. Holiday, uh, we got to do a resume? <laughs> no, a resume. a resume. Fifth grade. Now, you talk about creative skills. We're talking about cross-curricular teaching, English language arts, organizational skills, where you take a fifth grader and you discuss resume. I even brought my resume to show as an example. And these children, and, and what you say, you want critical thinking skills. I'm not giving this to you. I need you to think critically. You come up with an address for Jesus. Create a resume for Jesus. So what you're doing, you're exercising writing, reading, organizational skills, and producing a resume in fifth grade, and you're still putting who first? God. Amen. Just want to make it plain. Look at this. I was so excited about this one. I ain't going to call her name. Ooh, is, it, is it my eyes? Or this? this thing here says education. And you know on a resume it tells you uh, where you went to school. This child said homeschooled. <laughs> Jesus was homeschooled. <laughs> Woo, I looked at that. I said, look at that creativity. <laughs> Woo, look at that. I just get happy when they do that. The child, I didn't tell them like that. Homeschool. Jesus was homeschooled. And then they had something, I can't read it, but I remember it from, from reading in the past. Then they had something like, what's his experience? The Sermon on the Mount. All right, all right. Well, what are some other things he did? He healed the sick. I mean, it's just amazing. And then, well, what are your references? Well, brother, check Matthew 5 and 8. You know, check Luke. Do you understand the point I'm trying to make? You tell me a Christian education don't pay? Oh, honey, it's an investment. Because how many fifth graders know what a resume is? <laughs> how many of you all know? Did you, let's be honest in the church, fifth graders, uh, did you know what a resume was if you're a fifth grader? Tell the truth. Yeah. Listen, this Let's, let's move on. This is what I'm talking about. Let's, get, let's unpack this. You're going to get out in 20 minutes, I, I pray. Being a good soldier will bring about sacrifice. Will bring about sacrifice. Listen, let me talk about sacrifice. Sacrifice is when you move from a place and come to a strange land. If you didn't know, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada is a strange land. <laughs> this is a strange land. We, you talk about sacrifice when you say, God, 
What you want to do with me? Say, Holiday, I want you to go down there in Las Vegas, and I want you to go down there and do the best you can with the 17, 18 years I gave you in public school. You take what you got, you bring God in there first, and then you give it to those people. And when you do that, let me tell you something, but I'm going to cut your salary in half. Oh, Lord, you're going to cut my salary in half. Is that what you want to do? But when God say move, you better get up and move. So I moved, left the job making twice the salary. Yet I may not make the same money. Jelani, Kanai, and Amari, and Anissa have never missed a meal. For my Bible says, I have been young, now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging what? Nor his seed begging bread. Sacrifice and faith. Sacrifice and faith. When I came here, I came here to work because God said, come and go to work. On the first day I got here, I went over there and I worked and I worked. And my wife was out looking for a house, didn't have a place to stay. And I'm in there working, I ain't even thinking about it because I got a God said, look here, son, don't you worry about that. I'll take care of you. You just do what I tell you to do. So we over here working and we working and we working. And they out there looking for a house. And I'm up here working and working like a Hebrew slave and working and working and came back, and my wife came in the building and said, baby, Holly, as she says, Holly, didn't find a house. We got to get on a plane in the morning and go back to Georgia, and we don't have a place to stay. I say, is that right? What God's you serving? I said, come here. Let me tell you something, Damon, God, and you got that big old truck. Put me in the truck. Put me in the truck. Drive me where you went. I went here, I went there, I went yonder. I said, go straight down that street and make a turn and go to that house you didn't go to. Well, that one's too far, but go to that one house. Went to that one house, walked in the house. My wife said there's certain things she wanted, never saw them. Walked in that one house, is this what you need? I think this is what I need. <laughs> one time, wasn't worried, went to the place to say, look, I know it takes 30 days before the credit check happens, but we are leaving tomorrow and we need a place to stay. Well, what you come here for? We came here to do God's work to teach. Well, listen, young man, I don't usually do this, but we're going to go ahead and approve you without even checking your credit. Amen. I serve a God. I serve a God. The God I serve. You can't stop me from acting like something wrong with me because when he do like he does, I can't help but get a little crazy. I serve a God. I'm telling you the truth. You got to be a good soldier. Sacrifice and have faith. You got to sacrifice and have faith. Let me share something with you here. I need the third slide. The third slide. When it comes to dealing with our schools, I want to share something with the third slide. Third slide. Third slide. Third slide. There you go. The one with the teachers. There you go. Right there. Finland. You heard of Finland? Anybody? You heard of Finland? We're going to get to we unpack the armor. Just to give me a couple minutes. We're going to do that. Listen. Finland. Finland has one of the uh, most achieving school systems in the world. Finland is regarded as one of the world's most literate societies. More than 98% attend preschool classes, 99% complete compulsory basic education, and 94% of those who start the academic strand of upper secondary school graduate. Completion rate in vocational upper secondary school also reached close to 90%. I'm talking about Finland. What am I talking about? Finland. Now, I looked at that and I said, well, listen, I want to understand why is it that Finland is achieving? Why are they achieving, Finland? Because just in the 1980s, there were problems, and now they're achieving. Here's some prerequisites, or here's some of the reasons for the achievement. One of the reasons Finland is achieving, and I'm going to 
one of the reasons Finland is achieving, it says, is the teachers. Listen, people. I don't care if you get a, the nicest brand new school they build in Las Vegas. You can get them. I had new schools. Been there, done that. But if the people under the roof are not connected, buildings don't make schools. Buildings don't make schools. Technology does not control man. Man controls technology. Listen, deal with technology. They just brought me an iPad. Have mercy. Now, I, didn't, I can say this now that I'm leaving. <laughs> but if y'all didn't know, I actually have a degree in technology. Am I right, Ms. Holiday? Let me just tell you a little secret. When I was at the University of Georgia, I have a degree in technology. I remember teaching technology. I taught desktop publishing, computer-aided drafting. I programmed robots. I spent hours, though, after everybody was gone, fixing the, the computer. We actually had to take them apart, take the motherboards out, repair them. I did that. But see, if you tell everybody that, when something breaks, what's going to happen? Don't tell all your secrets. Don't tell all your secrets. So I said that to say, I'm going to handle that iPad. I'm going to handle that iPad. We're going to do that. But in Finland, one of the number one reasons for their success were people, teachers. Teachers. All teachers have master's degrees. All teachers have continued staff development. That's why we call Sister Rawls in to teach writing, the writing process, staff development. That's why we took teachers and said, listen, because you know this is not about dissing the public school all the time. I actually had some teachers to leave this school and go to public school for a day. Hello? Yes, staff development, student, I mean, teacher development, constant. It is people who cause children to achieve. It is people. So I went on to look and say, what else they got? They said they're concerned with the total human being. Oh, my goodness, Finland? The research says they're concerned with the total human being. All SES uh, are treated the same. All socioeconomic status, everybody's treated the same. Uh, Every citizen needs to be educated. They had another one that I think is awesome. They said, whatever it takes, have mercy, whatever it takes. Don't you know I had some kids that would tell me constantly they left their homework at home? I got so sick of telling me you left your homework at home. Get in the car. I put the joker in the car and drove him home. <laughs> Mr. So-and-so, he said he left his homework. I need his homework. Oh, yeah, it's almost something. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. Do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But God has given us responsibility. Take that responsibility. The kids won't do it, then you figure out a way to find them to do it. You don't do math doing math, do math doing PE. You don't do math doing math, do math doing recess. Whatever it takes. Find a way, go to people's house, call them, and here's what I believe in, agitate the parents. I'm just telling the truth. We're gonna unpack armor, just give me a little, we're gonna be through in a minute. Agitate the parents. When I first came, I know Miss, Miss uh, Sanford, just right, yes you did. 
Mr. Holiday always calling and sending papers and then calling and asking, did you get the paper? Did you read it? Lord have mercy. Be careful of what you ask for. You might get it. Be careful of what you ask for. But Finland said, music and art and religion, every teacher has a master's degree, all of this. Then I said, okay, God, that sounds something like journey to excellence. Anybody ever heard of journey to excellence? Raise your hand. That sounds something like journey to excellence. The whole child. Journey to Excellence has goals for the curriculum in the Seventh-day Adventist schools. It said, so surrender one's whole life to God, develop a relationship with Jesus Christ, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in one's life. It says that. Same thing they said, the whole child. There's one says, desire to know and live. They also said communication was important in Finland with the students. Journey to Excellence says communication skills. Recognize the importance of effective communication and develop the, requ the requisite for skills. Communicating. That's why we put all the kids up front. All of them. We want everybody to say something. If it's Jesus wept. Oh, Lord, Jesus wept. Lift up the child. Let them say something. They need to be able to communicate. I was listening at Journey to Excellence. They said interpersonal skills, develop a sense of self-work, building relationships with kids. Have we not built a relationship with our children? I know that there are children that go to school and y'all better not tell a lie. I bet some of you don't even know your principal. What, what y'all say aloud? Do you know your principal? Don't even know them because somehow they think they're almighty. They're up in some type of room that says you're in the upper room and the children can't come to you. Well, if a principal understands, the first objective for a leader or principal in a school is to educate children. Every decision made must be centered around the children. And how can you educate and love somebody whom you don't even talk to or have a relationship with? You've got to have a relationship with the young people. That's what it's all about. We're talking about Finland's education system and the journey to excellence, which is the Seventh-day Adventist educational system. Develop a relationship. Now, as we move on, use critical and creative thinking skills. This is from the journey of excellence. Utilize effective study techniques to locate, organize. This is from journey to excellence. As I move on, I'm going to give you the first point and give you two more points and unpack the armor of God. Okay, our first point, I want you to get it. We're gonna give you two more and we're gonna unpack this and you should be out of here in 10 or 15 minutes. The first point, in the ultimate battle and race, the source of strength comes from the Lord, not from mankind. The second point, in the ultimate battle and race, there is a need for this type of strength. There is a need for the type of strength that you need to run this race. Paul says, put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Church, I tell you, you are no match for the devil. You are no match for the devil. But we have been commissioned, or there is a trainer who's been commissioned to work with us. Satan is cunning, deceitful, crafty, filled with trickery, and we are not in a position to win or endure this race if we are not aware of his devices. Second Corinthians said, lest Satan shall take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan has all kinds of schemes that he will bring against God's soldiers. Satan will bring persecution upon those who try to do right. Satan will bring persecution upon those who try to do right. 
It is right to feed the hungry, but you will be persecuted because you overspent. It is right to visit the sick, but you will be persecuted because you visit too early or too late or you didn't call in advance. Persecution. It is right to tell of the gospel, but you are persecuted for telling the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong place. But you're telling the gospel. People are interesting. You're persecuted within, you're persecuted without. Somebody got a problem with this, somebody got a problem with that. Persecuted, unexpected places when friends turn against you and you don't even know why. Anybody been there? You have a twisted race. You are persecuted by people. People have, you know, I've learned people be people bipolar. Listen, y'all, I'm telling you the truth. I had to learn, I had to learn why folk be acting crazy towards you, and you be like, why are they, they doing that? But we in a society with folk bipolar, and so this is, this is, the Bible says, truth in love. I'm just telling you the truth in love. My point on that is you need to recognize that some people don't mean you no harm. They just can't help it sometimes. Some people just got some things going on. Some folk walk into church, just had an argument with their, with their spouse, and they take it on the first person they see. You got to put on the whole arm of God and recognize that God wants you to exercise what he has taught you. Are you going to refer or are you going to come back at that person in the, in the way that he or she came at you? What about this Bible you keep reading and it tell you love thy neighbor and, then, you know, uh, love those who despitefully use you. And yet as soon as somebody come at you wrong, you got to stand your ground and say, I got them straight. You ain't got nobody straight. You about losing your soul. Did somebody hear me? You, you got to understand that. Persecution. Those who live righteous will be persecuted. If you live righteous, you're going to be persecuted. Persecution may come from without. Jobs, the stock market, economic recession, Facebook as we know. I almost invested in Facebook. Yes, I did. Thank you, Jesus, I didn't. Still dropping, still dropping. Neighborhood, people in the church. And, the, and people that misunderstand, people that talk about you. Persecution. We're talking about why you need the whole arm of God. You were there when a person was suffering. This is the one that really gets you, persecution. When people die and people come around and you were there taking care of the sick and the person has died and left you a little something, something, and here come people who you ain't never seen before. Come ready, equipped to fight and persecute you. Say you were only there to get his or her money. Persecution. Story. There's a story uh, of uh, how, to, how, to, how to raise kids, and I'll get to that. Be sober, be vigilant. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Another scheme that Satan has is to entice people to indulge in illicit desires of the flesh and mind. If it feels good, do it. If it looks good, touch it. If it tastes good, eat it. If it smells good, try it. If it sounds good, listen to it. 
If it sounds good, listen to it. Now she want a photo, you already know. <laughs> Though you only live once, that's the motto. Listen, let me tell y'all something. When I said that, did you hear the response of your Adventist? Let me just tell it like it is. Did you hear the response of your Adventist, abundant life attending, come to church every Sabbath, get ready on Friday night, turn the television off, let's have devotion. We don't eat pork. Children, did you hear those children respond? Do you know why? Because that's what they're listening to. YOLO, you only live once. Oh, the old people looking, they don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know what I'm talking about. It's another sermon. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. I know they don't have a clue. They look like them. They don't know what I'm talking about. But them young people know what I'm talking about. And even when I just read what I just read, I skipped more MFs and Ns than you can imagine. Wow. Yet your children, our children, listening to that stuff, have that little thing on their, what that little thing they have, which you stick it in your ear and put it right there. What is it? iPod? A small radio. <laughs> They have a small radio. Yeah, that's what I used to have, a little small radio. They have a small radio, iPad, whatever you want to call it, iPad, telephone, whatever, that give them music. They have that thing on their ear, and they listening to that. Because, back to why I'm saying that, don't get the laughter and get it twisted. This is what I said, what I read to you. Don't get it twisted. It said, Another scheme Satan has is to entice people to indulge in illicit desires of the flesh and mind. If it feels good, do it. If it looks good, touch it. If it tastes good, eat it. If it smells good, try it. If it sounds good, listen to it. And they listening to YOLO, YOLO, you only live once. And all this stuff he's saying. And, and we bout every day, every day, every day, like sitting at, on the bench. We do really play every day, every day. All this stuff. Can't see them cause the money in the way, real. <laughs> Look at them. You're not listening to the right thing. Stop listening to that stuff. Don't you know every time you listen to that, you are separating yourself from God? For what goes in the mind, the word of God says, for as a man thinketh, so is he. What you are listening to is a part of your psychic. That's why you can say those words and it doesn't even bother you. You can curse like that and it doesn't even bother you. I said that not for just humor or not for humor at all, but they let you know what your children are listening to. And mine are not immune either, my little long boy. Because you want to know how I know about YOLO? I called him this morning in Florida. Whoa. And I asked him, young man, his, mother, his grandmother said, 
Johnny, he's in the bed. I said, what did you think i tell him, jury? Wake him up. It's 11.30. He in the bed. You would never be in the bed at my house at 11.30. I hope some of y'all hear me. So I wake him up. And I knew. I just asked the boy. Son. What is this song that somebody be saying, YOLO? Oh, daddy, that's, uh, that's Drake. <laughs> I say Drake, is it D-R-A-I or D-R-A-K-E? Because I have to understand. He said, D-R-A-K-E, daddy. So I said, well, what, what, are, what are you talking about, son? He, he, he half sleep. What are you talking about, son? Well, daddy, you know, he just saying, you know, you only live once. I said, I tell you what. Because you're not answering the question. You go to, you uh, wake up, go on the internet, and you find out what he said. I want to know. So I called him back. And so my point, though, that's humor, but young people, I want to admonish to you, you need to stop listening to that. You need to stop listening to that. I tell you what you can do. Go on a site and find the timetables and be walking around, one plus one is two. Uh, flying, you know, two times four is four. Five times five is 25. Five times six is 30. Six times 30 is, you know, do that. <laughs> Listen to your multiplication facts or something. Put the Pythagorean theorem on the thing or something. Pi, put the, put the pi plus 3.14 or something on the thing. Stop listening to that. Because as soon as a man call you that, well, you don't call me that, but you listen to it. You listen to it and you accept it, but he can't call you that. Let me go. Let me go. Okay, let me go. All right. All right. We're going to unpack that. One more. Okay. Okay. What we say? All right. Now, we, we have to understand the difference between the word and the world. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If a man would not work, he shall not eat. I, some people think I just make this stuff up. Look. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says if a man would not work, he should not eat. I'm telling you, it says, I remember being in, in middle school teaching, and an and and uh, Asian parent came in. I called him in. His son wasn't doing well. <coughs> he playing around, and the Asian man said to his son, no supper for you tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'm not standing in God's pulpit line. He said, no supper for you tonight. I said, oh, so that's how they do it. <laughs> Told that joker he wasn't eating tonight. That man said, no, supper for you tonight, and walk on out the door. <laughs> that was it. They didn't discuss it, nothing. No supper for you tonight. That was it. And the word of God says the same thing in Thessalonians. If a man would not work, he shall not eat. That's why I used to tell my kids all the time, you need to work if you want to eat. And it goes on to say, the word tells us to rear a child, bring up a child in the way we will have him go. And when he becomes a man, he will not depart from it. But we try to rear young adults. That's like I say, if you, you, know, you have a, 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 a young adult who is not doing uh, what's necessary. I mean, and you're wondering why he doesn't do it. But when he was young, it reminds me of my nephew who came to live with me. When he was young, I'm outside cutting grass. He's sitting in the house at the table talking to my wife while I'm out here cutting grass. <laughs> You're going to have persecution from your own family because they don't understand. So I had to march back in there. Say, look at here, brother. 
as long as you live in this house. When I get up in the morning to go outside to cut grass, brother, you better find you some raggedy shoes, a shirt, something. You need to be out here cutting grass with me, not sitting up here, sitting at the table, talking with my wife, got more hair on your chest than I do. Now, y'all think this is crazy. Sometimes you got to get practical with God's word because it's God's word, but you got to understand it. He said rear a child. He didn't say rear a young adult. So a child, you need to start them young doing things. That's, right. That's why you have difficulty with your room being clean. If the child wouldn't clean the room at 10, at 9, what makes you gonna think you're gonna clean the room at 15 or 17? Just simple stuff. Y'all need to think about it. It's the truth. When you put it, put it, put it go, 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 to, go to the boys. Go to the boys. You see this? We men, I'm talking to the men. God knows a woman is important. I can't teach my son to, to the type of love that his mother can teach him. And God knows I respect it and he needs it. But we men are responsible for rearing these boys. When you see all this decadence with our boys and we constantly pointing the finger at the boy, that boy ain't this and that boy ain't that, you just find the father and I can give you the answer to what's wrong with that boy. Oh, y'all brothers don't want to agree with me. I ain't going to beat up on you. I know, I know. I'm just telling you, we are responsible for those boys. The Bible said, rear them. Rear them as a child, and when they become old, they won't depart from it. We are responsible for those boys. You outside fixing a car. Your wife crazy about you, love you. You fixing a car, and yet your son in the house watching and playing videos, and when he gets married, you wonder why he can't change the oil. He can't change the all because when you were changing the all, you let him stay in the house. I know. Y'all getting mad. Don't get mad. It's just the truth. Listen. The Bible says, as I close, as I close, pianists, come on up. As I close, the Bible says, the carnal mind and the spirit, the spiritual mind. For the word of God says in 1 Corinthians, the natural man does not receive things of the spirit of God, for they are foolish to him and foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you understand why sometimes people can't get a good sermon? It's not the sermon all the time, it's who hearing it. It's not always the sermon, it's who's hearing it. Things are spiritually discerned. The natural man tries to understand God with his five senses. He looks for God with his five natural senses. He considers a thing for God. Ephesians 2, 1, 3 says, and you, he made alive who were dead in the trespasses of sin. God has brought them back, brought you back. Second Thessalonians said, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you, and guard you. Fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Now, the last point as we deal with the Roman soldier. The last point, in the ultimate battle and race, we must understand the nature of this strength. We must understand what? The nature of this strength. To successfully withstand the battle in this ultimate race, one must be equipped with the whole armor of God, which involves six pieces of spiritual armor. You have got to run this race with these six pieces of spiritual armor. Number one, and stand with the belt of truth. 
The first one is a belt of truth. What is it? The truth Paul is addressing is more than personal honesty. It is truth of God as, as lodged in your heart, appropriated and act upon. Truth and integrity. You don't sway when you're in different places. The truth is the truth. Sometimes it cuts, but it is the truth. That's why Christian education encompasses critical thinking and moral spiritual values. If there is a child that can find a cure from, for AIDS, he or she is that bright. We want that child to have some moral values that speaks to that. You have people who are very bright and do things that are evil, extremely evil, and yet they have the intelligence to do extremely good. Number two, stand with the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers the heart of the soldier. Righteousness preserves the right of the life of the believer. Paul speaks to the Christian personal loyalty and principle. The righteousness represents the character and deeds of the believer. That's why when it comes to working in these schools, you may not make a lot of money, but if you are being driven by money, then you don't need to be working in schools. You don't need to be teaching if that's what's going to drive you. There must be some integrity and righteousness that's driving you that says, I care for the children. Can you go to the children picture? That says, I care for the children. Third, you must stand with sandals on your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me tell you what they said about this. The Roman soldier wore sandals, which was hard-studded shoes, on their feet. This was necessary for the movement on rough ground. If the soldiers needed to withstand assault, they needed to have sure footing. In many instances, we will have to stand strong and face assault, and we need sure footing from Jesus Christ. The gospel is, is a is firm foundation on Christians, and we must stand. The Christian soldiers should be ready to go out and defend and spread the gospel. Even during difficult times, the gospel is to be lodged in our hearts. The gospel is to be lodged in our hearts. Romans 5.1 says, he has peace with God. That's why. When someone is mistreating you, they should see a peace that they can't explain. You need to check that. I need to check that. There should be a peace that cannot be explained even when you're being assaulted. Number four, and stand with the shield of faith, with we may be able to quench all the fiery dots. You've read the commentary. The dots, during the Romans' times, they had dots, but the dots were, they were laced and they had fire, they called them fiery dots, and they would shoot them at, at the shield, and the shield was used to knock them down, knocking them to the ground, and not having harm on the soldiers. These fiery dots that I'm talking about, or these fiery dots, might I say, that I'm talking about, that we deal with, they come from fear, discouragement, impatience, unholy thoughts, anybody know what I'm talking about? Envy, anger, and other vices. But faith in God held aloft like a shield catches them and snuffs them out. When these flaming arrows could not penetrate the fireproof shield, that is the same shield that we must have as we run this race and as we fight this fight and as we battle. And the helmet of salvation, 
The head needs special protection. The head needs special protection as being the most vital part, the seat of the wheel and the intelligence. Thessalonians 5.8 says, the helmet called the hope of salvation. Salvation is past, present, and future. The helmet also made the soldier look taller, made him more impressive. The helmet, and the last one, the stand with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the what, people? The word of God. The other parts of the armor are defensive only. But this part of the armor is offensive and defensive. The sword. The sword is used offensively and defensively. And that's the bulk of offense and defense that I know because I don't watch football. Who you ever sit down and try to watch football with people and you don't know it and you just pretend you know it? Anybody ever been there? I guess I'm the only man don't watch football. This weapon is necessary. The Bible, the Bible as a whole, but the specific word that needs to be broken in a specific situation to have precise word ready. Here it says, the word of God in your heart. You need to be ready because the assaults are coming. And if you're not studying God's word, you won't be ready. You got to be defensive and offensive because you know you have what's called these uh, fanatics. You know you have Bible fanatics and people who think they know everything and they're just, they like verbal fist, fisticuff. They always want to argue about the word of God. I just always want to argue about something dealing with the word of God. You need to study because you got to be ready because it's coming. The assaults are coming. And last but not least, Philippians 4.6 says, as you went through, as we went through that, Philippians 4.6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. If you would please stand with me. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. Church, no matter what happens, believe in the word of God. And whosoever, and whosoever says otherwise, disregard it. Believe in the word of God. Jaslyn, no matter what Believe in the word of God. Did you hear me? Yeah. Believe in the word of God, no matter what. Stand strong on this word, not on my words, not on the pastor's words, not on your friend's words, but this word. Stand like Jesus did. Jesus stood for a sinner like me, amen? Jesus stood for a sinner like you. Jesus stood for the homeless, Jesus stood for the helpless, Jesus stood for those who were hurt, Jesus stood for those who couldn't speak for themselves, Jesus stood for those who were persecuting him and persecuting others, Jesus stood, Daniel stood, Malcolm X stood, Nelson Mandela stood, Dr. King stood, Mary McLeod Bethune stood, Thurgood Marshall stood, even when some of our children go to schools where they think that they are just it because they're there, they need to understand that Thurgood Marshall said 
that separate schools are unequal. And the only reason you are in the school you are in is because someone stood for you. Someone stood for you. These people stood just as Jesus stood for us. So I say to this church family, my last words, stand strong. Stand for God. When the assaults come, stand for God. When the assaults come and they will, stand for this word. No matter what you do, stand for God. And now as we pray, let us bow our heads for prayer. Dear Father, it would be a travesty if I left the throne of God and not open up the doors of the church. <coughs> Father, if there is someone who wants to be baptized, show publicly that they want to come across and that they want to turn their entire life over to God, please let him or her walk down right now. We're going to ask that the Holy Spirit moves and we'll ask quickly because if it is God's will, it will happen quickly. If there's someone that wants to give their life to Jesus right now, please come down. Pray, church. There's someone who wants Bible studies, who wants a closer walk with Jesus, just please raise your hand. You want Bible studies, closer walk with Jesus, just please raise your hand so that we may see you. Is there anyone? Last but not least, if you want to be found in the kingdom of heaven, just say amen. 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 Let us pray, Father in heaven. We